Gather round. This is the ticket water cooler. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Coming at you live in the heart of Lincoln, America. I say, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakovin and Enrique Alvarez Cleary. We are here. We are at the Tuesday of spring game week, so we're not too far away from the spring game. We're all getting excited. Uh, there's a new Herbie Husker, uh, everything, and he's going to be unveiled at the spring game. I think that uh, when he asked me, who am I looking forward to seeing the most on the spring game? I think Herbie might be at the top of that list, but uh, Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator for Nebraska, uh, sat had a press conference and talked about uh, some other guys that we're going to be intrigued to see, so we will uh, talk about that here in just a few seconds, uh, but uh, first want to w- welcome Rico in. He's got his Derek Rose jersey on for the New York Knicks. Uh, Rose still get a, a little bit of playing time for the Knicks? He gets zero. He does not play. <laughs> does he really? He doesn't. But no, I no. He does no, not. He no does minutes. not play. He does not play. Uh, but I love this jersey. So I wore this is last year's city edition. Um, this year's city edition is like a dark, like a navy blue. It's actually really cool. Um, if I were to get one, I would want a Evan Fournier, probably Emmanuel Quickly, oh, okay. probably probably yeah. IQ. Uh, jersey of that one but uh no i don't have one from this year but i'm wearing the d rose one they play game two today against cleveland starting at 6 30 on tnt if anybody wants to check that out um they'll go they'll definitely go up 2-0 today and uh head back to new york and get yeah. ready to sweep them that would be that would be huge if they can get the win tonight obviously uh big talk with the nba as far as draymond green and the kings going up 2-0 last night look at the kings look at the kings look at the kings i'm in and they're they're i've adopted them they're my western conference team now. that makes sense it's yeah. okay i think they're they're gonna get a lot of bandwagon fans this week. oh they're everybody's favorite now yeah light the beam light the beam uh the kings of course and, and everybody again when you think about the kings at least i think if you're from you know kind of my age group you think about those early 2000s kings with mike bibby and Peja stoyakovic and, and chris weber and vlade divak and hito turkaloo and uh i can keep name bobby jackson scott pollard uh jason williams uh, white chocolate was there for a bit those were some fun you teams. know what the worst possible matchup for the NBA Finals would be for like the NBA does not want this to happen. What's that? Sacramento and Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're too worried about Brooklyn right now. Brooklyn going down too. No, well, well okay. Yeah. So we're thinking teams that that might actually happen. It'd probably be Sacramento, Miami. Yeah, Sacramento, I don't think they want that. Sacramento, Cleveland wouldn't be too good. Hey, Cle- I'm just saying teams that are up right now in their series. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland doesn't count. Yeah, Sacramento, Cle- Cleveland without LeBron. That would be a te- they, yes. That would be terrible. Be I bad. would watch it though. Well, I'd yeah. be rooting for Sacramento, obviously. Yes, uh, I, I think I think yeah, they're, they're my Western uh, Conference team. I'll cheer for them all the way now. Uh, and uh, tonight too, you mentioned um, the Knicks and Cavs. My team, the Celtics, got booted to NBA TV because of how bad they destroyed the Hawks. Nobody. Nobody that, wants to watch that nobody game. Nobody thinks that game's going to be close. Nobody so. wants to watch that game. They want to watch New York and Cleveland, and then right after that, L.A. and Phoenix. Yes, the nightcap, Clippers and Suns. So that will be exciting. Uh, but we'll did. Uh, we we'll t- we'll talk a little bit more NBA later on, including some uh, 
disqualifying teams in the, in China's Basketball Association. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Oh, too. Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eric Bledsoe and, and Michael Beasley, part of those teams, but they weren't playing in the series. So no, maybe neither one of them at fault there. But uh, for what it's worth, like the Shanghai Sharks, another team were disqualified for match fixing. Uh, Yao Ming in charge of that league, so yeah, not a good look uh, for the CBA. But uh, I guess it is what it is. Um, let's let's jump into some Husker football talk though, because we did have Marcus Satterfield at the podium, and uh, who better to ask about all the questions that we want to know about on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, let's start uh, with uh, with the running back position. Marcus Satterfield was asked. We'll jump around. This is not necessarily uh, in the order of his questioning, but I kind of went in order of what I think is interesting, I suppose. Uh, Marcus Satterfield, which guys have risen in the top of that stacked running back room? Running. And we'll get to that in a second. I One I second. Gotta, I got to push a button or two, and then we can push another button or two. I get out. This is coach talk, but, I mean, they're, they're all, you know, about, you know, to me, they're all just kind of progressing the same. Each has a certain thing that they do, maybe like a third down back. This guy catches the ball a little bit better out of the backfield. This guy's more of a physical runner. But I think that, you know, as a group, uh, they keep getting better and better each day. They've improved in the past pro. That was a challenge the last two weeks of just making sure third downs. Uh, we're knowing our assignments and getting to the right guys, and they did that in the scrimmage for the most part and uh, improved on that this week, start the early part of this week. So just as a room, really you know, pleased with where the direction they're going. I'd hate to just say a name right now at this point. And you cut these uh, these clips up, Rico, so you heard a lot of them. Is he a pretty good coach speak guy? That was a lot of coach speak right there. Yeah, he's pretty good at saying a lot and not saying anything. Yes, he very much well did that. There. Yeah, he did. He also uh, that was like if you ask AI to generate a uh, yeah, he a was just like for a running back. He's group. just like yeah, you know they're all doing really well. <laughs> That's about it. Not they're gonna, all, they're yeah. doing fantastic. I'm not going to mention anybody Some because are I don't better want you. at doing these running back and I, things. But I understand that. I get that things. because if he mentions one name, he's either going to have to mention all of them, or people are going to look into the fact like, well, he only mentioned Anthony Grant, which means he's obviously the best one, yeah. or he's sticking out. Uh, so so he's looking at that guy, and he's probably going to be the starter. Like it's people look into all of these comments so much, including us, that. You know, just avoiding saying names if you don't want to tip your hand too early. It makes sense. But they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to split. The white team's going to have to have, you know, the number two offense is going to have to have uh, some running backs. So we're going to see how they they split them up. Uh, Will be interesting because. They swap between the teams. (laughs) (laughs) They might. Just all wear gray jerseys or something. Exactly. Um, All the running backs are playing for for both teams. For everybody. We don't want to let anybody know anything. Exactly. Um, But, I mean, I think that it is also like. The, the, the intrigue in, in answering that question and hearing the response uh, was the fact that we know that Nebraska has four ballers in the running back room. We, we don't need a, another coach to tell us that. We've already seen four of these guys uh, play pretty well. Now, I'm not going to say all conference level. Some may be others and other as far as, as, as your preference or, um, you know, just stats. Obviously, last year, Anthony Grant was close to a thousand yard back. Mm-hmm. A.J. Allen flashed for a lot of people. Uh, Ramir Johnson has... Um, you know, I, I, I'm really intrigued by him to see what this staff sees in him. Obviously, offensive coordinator, offensive staff two years ago, loved him and, and, and wanted him as part of that uh, that group, and they gave him a lot of opportunities. Last year, um, you know, different running back coach, different offensive coordinator, different set of eyes. He was talked about a lot. Talked a lot, yeah. Didn't, didn't see the field all that much. Didn't get used a whole lot until the Iowa game where he looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, You're so, like, oh, look at the explosion through the yeah. hole. Could have used this guy earlier. <laughs> it's almost like. That, that guy that played the other year for us against Michigan. It's like he guys. has fresh legs because yeah. he hasn't been on the field. 
Uh, so, I mean, those guys are good. And obviously, Gabe Irvin, uh, in his limited time that he's been able to play. Another guy that was kind of interesting last year didn't get as many carries as I thought they would. But, again, you, you battle that fine line of getting your playmakers the ball. Uh, Mark Whipple was a big playmaker, getting the playmaker the ball type of guy. So, mm -hmm. if he identified as Anthony Grant as one of his, his guys, then he was going to give him the ball as much as he could. And the funny part about it was, and after, after every post game. Uh, no matter how many times Anthony Grant carried the ball, people would say, "I want Anthony Grant to get the ball more." <laughs> he needs more carries. He needs more carries, and then then you can then they also simultaneously complain that some of the other running backs don't get carries. Yeah, it's it's a it's a delicate balancing act. It's a delicate dance to to try and decide which running back gets the lion's share of the carries and which running backs have to share the carries. But if you have yourself a workhorse back like uh, Anthony Grant seemed to be last year, I agree. I think he should have gotten more carries, uh, especially after AJ Allen went down because you saw what A.J. Allen was able to provide as a backup running back. Um, but then, like, the, the problem is you have so many talented running backs in the room that it's going to be hard to, at least from this side, you know, we're not in practice, we don't see who's sticking out more than the others. It's going to be hard to decide, okay, this guy gets 25 carries and everybody else has to share, you know, 15. We have to split 15 between three other running backs. I feel like that'd be really difficult to do. So um, I'm expecting probably uh, a running back by committee type of approach early in the season, and then they'll probably find that workhorse back and, and, and feed him, um, I, like I said, a lion's share of the carries. But you have three running backs who have started at least three games at Nebraska um, with Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, and Anthony Grant. And then you have A.J. Allen, the redshirt freshman who, like you said, flashed a lot of potential in the first three, four games um, before he was lost for the season due to an injury. You have Emmett Johnson, the redshirt freshman from Minneapolis, who was Mr. Football in Minneapolis, and I think won another award for high school football, um, an extremely talented running back that the previous staff loved, and this staff seems to really like as well. Like they, The running back room is stacked with people, so it's going to be really interesting to see who ends up getting the start and who ends up, you know, the the back up and whoever's getting carries after that. Yeah, and, and I think it, you know, it, it remains to be seen, but I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance that whoever starts the first game might not start the sixth game, might not start the eighth game, you know, it might, you, you know, they might rotate based on who's hot from week to week too. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see. Hopefully one of those guys explodes and comes do an all-Big Ten back. Do but. you think it could be something like, and you know, I, not to bring this up because it's one of my favorite teams, but do you think it could be something that New England used to do and still kind of does where it depends on the matchup, mm -hmm. where, you know, when they had Rex Burkhead, they would play him against teams where they were looking to run you know, between the tackles more. Um, it was back when they had, I can't remember, it was Dion something. It was a running back. He was kind of shorter uh, when they were facing teams that they were trying to get running backs passes out of the backfield. They, yeah, 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 they played him more. Um, so it, you think it could be something like that for Nebraska where depending on the matchup, the defense that they're going to face, if they're trying to power it, you know, down the down the middle and, and run it down a team's throat, they have certain running back for that. They have a certain running back that uh, that is better at passing catches. Maybe they have somebody that's more balanced, you know, something like that. I think it could be. I think it's also interesting, you know, all these guys are, are here and it's something just to kind of monitor because these guys are all proven enough um, to get carries in college. Um, and, you know, a, a few of them, you know, might not. So how they handle that room is interesting because we we talk all about, you know, getting down to 85 scholarships or maybe 83 if you want to add a few guys in the portal and think mm -hmm. about guys that, you know, just aren't going to quite make the team, I guess. But I think they're, you know, hopefully we don't see this because I'd love to see all those guys back. Um, but there might be a guy in that room that says, you know what, I, I you know, there, 
not to say that I, I'm conceding defeat in this. I just feel like I might not get as many carries as, it, you know, I transfer here. I could be a lead back. So, you know, I think that's as intriguing as anything in the spring game is the week after the spring game and seeing how this roster shapes out. Um, it'll be unlike any other you know post-spring game um you know, week that we've had. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it, that'll be fascinating to kind of see how that plays out. Of course, the running backs can uh, oftentimes do only as good as the offensive line in front of him. Uh, Marcus Satterfield was asked about uh, uh, Coach Riola and in that offensive line, how they've been progressing. Uh, just how much his players play hard for him. They're, they're a true unit, the way he coaches them, uh, his expectations and standards he sets. They do everything together. They run on the field together. They run off the field together. They going to every meeting together. I mean, it's, it's a brotherhood in that room. Uh, and it's just it's been really neat to watch because it's kind of bleeding over to the rest of our offense. So he's done a really nice job of just from a leadership standpoint of developing that group. Wow, kind of uh, kind of uh, repeating some thoughts that we heard from Norton Noelli earlier in the week, or, or maybe that was last week. But, um, you know, talking about a brotherhood there in the offensive line. Uh, and that's good to hear from, you know, from the outside, I suppose, from the offensive line, because, you know, you hear that and you kind of think, well, that's good. The position group is kind of bonding together. But um, if, if it, it can be seen from the outside, and like you said, bleeding to other positions on the team. Um, I mean, how about that? How about the offensive line? One of the, the, the biggest question marks on the team um, setting an example for you know, some of the rest of the offense, which doesn't have as many question marks. Mm -hmm. And I understand, you know, if you want to look at this and, and think, oh, well, they're they're a position group. Of course, they're going to be close. And of course, they're going to do this. Um, I'm not going to speak on what they were like before because I don't know. But uh, for an offensive line group, this is especially important because they have to work in tandem with each other the, the teamwork if you want to have a successful offense your offensive line needs to be all together on the same page at all times if you want to keep your quarterback upright if you want to open holes for your running back everybody needs to know what they're doing and be able to trust the guy on their left trust the guy on their right that they're going to do what they need to do so you can get over and and do what you need to do if you're supposed to you know chip or help on, on, on a defensive tackle and then move up to the second level and take a linebacker and the running back's supposed to follow behind you, but the guy to your left or the guy to your right, you know, misses their block, all of a sudden you can't get up, you can't do what you're supposed to do. So the fact that you can the fact that you're hearing that these guys are all in with each other, um, building that trust, building that brotherhood, uh, hopefully leads onto the field where something like that it's going to happen regardless. Like it, you know, sometimes you miss blocks. Defensive line's trying to get yeah. to the quarterback and the running back. They're going to do things as well. So that's going to happen, but as long as it doesn't happen as often as it happened last year, <laughs> um, it's going to be a massive step forward for this offensive line, just just staying together. Well, and again, you got to remember that unit did get better as the season went on. That was uh, Donovan's first run through with it so maybe you know we always talk about the second year of an offense and and how, how much easier that is without the install and all that you got to figure familiarity you didn't lose uh, you know a whole lot of bodies off that offensive line i think if you lost any uh but uh, i guess you did lose yes a few guys but uh but for the most part a lot of the the main contributors are back they've added a few pieces um and and, and again I, I think for a lot of people you're going to be looking at the new guys the flashy skill positions um but pay close attention to the offensive line uh because as we know line play takes you a long way in yeah. in the big 10 uh steven costello says let's go go big red on the youtube page thanks for listening to us here you can listen to us on facebook youtube twitter and twitch or on allo cable we'll be right back we'll talk some hear some quarterback quotes from marcus satisfield the offensive coordinator for nebraska coming up next year on the ticket water cooler on 93.7 the ticket